All right, if you'll go ahead and make your way to your seat, um, I want to welcome you. Uh, welcome City on Hill Church and those who are online today. Um, it is good to see all of you in person again. Um, by God's grace, this is happening more and more. Um, and, and we've gotten some indications from the uh, Coolidge Corner School, that, or from the town, that Coolidge Corner School is looking good for September for us. So that's like, I wouldn't guarantee anything right now, but they've said that's kind of the plan we're working towards. Uh, and so I am excited. Like, I'm like, oh, we can make it. Uh, the end of all things is near, right? Uh, so we, we're looking forward to that. And but if you're new, uh, I do want to welcome you. Uh, thanks for joining us today. If you uh, if you have a moment, or you can uh, pull your phone out and go to coab.org/connect. We'd love for you to take a moment and just fill that uh, out, a brief connection card. We normally would put those in your hands, but because of COVID, uh, we're not able to do that. If you're online, you can do that as well. The link should be in the chat. Uh, also, if you're a regular, uh, download the app. It's called Church Center. And that's the place for you to be able to share prayer requests, to share uh, just any ways you want to get more involved or have any questions uh, in ways that we could uh, serve you. So you can use that. Now, around COA, we have three core values. Those core values are gospel, community, and mission, right? Gospel is why we're gathered here today, because Jesus Christ has lived and died and rose from the grave to redeem us out of brokenness, sin, and death, to usher us into God's presence, to make us part of uh, his eternal family. And that's where the idea of community comes, right? That we are, we're not a bunch of individuals who have a relationship with God, but we are a people who are, whatever our background, whatever our experience, whatever our ethnicity or, or family of origin, we are brought into an eternal family that will never change. And in that, in that family, we have a unity which we could never achieve on our own. We could, never, uh, we could never get a bunch of strangers in a room together and, and manage to convince all of them to share life together uh, despite all of our different backgrounds and, and even the ways that we uh, look at things and process the world. And of course, the good news is that this church, City on the Hill, exists because of mission, uh, because that family has a mission. We have a purpose in this world, and it's bigger than your job. It's bigger than your family. It's bigger than uh, whatever goals and dreams you have for your life. Uh, and the glorious thing is those things can be leveraged as part of that mission uh, to go, as Jesus said at the end um, of, of Matthew 28, he said, go and make disciples of all the nations. And so at the ends of the earth need to hear the gospel. And I'm convinced today that the greatest need in the city of Boston is for people to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They think they, some of them think they know it. They think that they know what Christianity is about, but they don't. It, uh, if you ask them, it's, it's about being a good person or it's about being judgmental and mean and it's, or it's about being, uh, you know, going to church regularly. And they miss the fact that we are who we are because of what Christ has done for us, not because of what we do. Anything that we do now, right, as part of Jesus' family flows from what Jesus has done for us. So, that's gospel, community, and mission. Uh, we have a few quick announcements before we move on. Uh, as Mike said, next Sunday we'll be right back here, so you can sign up. You can actually open up the app right now and sign up for that if you want to. I think there's still space there. And then, I am excited. The first time since March of last year that we have the capacity, the actual ability for every single person in COA to gather in worship is coming on on May 30th at Lars Anderson Park. And I'm naming it and claiming it right now. The weather's gonna be beautiful. It's not gonna be too hot. 
It's going to be comfortable, and we're going to have a day of worship. So there is literally no excuse. You're like, well, I got kids. Well, you can come sit on the outskirts. We'll let you, you know, do that. You can come, you know, stand by in the green area and, and, and participate that way. But if you are able to be there that day, we're going to actually have our 10 a.m. service, just like we normally do. And I think right now, the way it's looking is we're just going to be able to do one service that day. So we were, uh, the, with the state guidelines changing and all of that, so we're excited to be able to see you. And you can sign up. Please RSVP for that on the website. Um, also, Koa Softball. So we have a, yeah, Brad. Brad over here is a, is a veteran. Uh, he has a long, long career. He's a franchise player with the, with the Koa Cannonballs. Uh, <laughs> and he has played many seasons. And, and we have a good team, I got to say. We, we generally are pretty, pretty competitive. So uh, I played a, a few years back. It's been a while. May have to dust off the glove. Um, but we, if you are interested, you're available, men and women. Uh, you can actually see Brad afterwards, or you can go sign up on our events page on our website. Men's retreat, uh, women's retreat happened yesterday. Any ladies participate in that? Yes. No guys, don't raise your hand. That's weird. Um, <laughs> we're cheering them. Yes. Uh, but the, the, the women's retreat happened and I uh, heard went great. The men's retreat uh, is coming up in a couple weeks. So you can sign up for that May 28th and 29th. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, don't forget our pre-service prayer on Sundays. I think once we're uh, back in hopefully a rhythm of meeting earlier on Sundays, we'll, that will uh, be able to, we'll all be able to participate in that. But I know we're working on incorporating community groups into that time, which I think is going to be a great way for us to support the church through prayer. Uh, grab and go meals, uh, kids summer adventure that, that I had talked about before, uh, and Janie's talked about. You can, you can sign up to help with that. Uh, please consider that. Now, uh, Ashley, come on up here. This is, you know, anytime Ashley comes up, I'm like, okay, whatever she's going to say is more important than I, whatever I've said. So uh, why don't you come share? Hi, friends. Um, May is National Foster Care Month. And so in collaboration with our partners at Fostering Hope New England and the Department of Children and Families, as well as a few other churches in the area, we're going to be putting together some gift baskets for foster families in the area with games that are, so it's 80 families who will be serving through this appreciation project. Um, they're all over um, Boston and north of Boston. And so each of the baskets will include some age-appropriate games for the kids in that family's home, as well as some snacks for a fun family night. Um, so if you would like to donate towards that, you can go to codobrookline.org slash events and find an Amazon wish list there. We will, it's only going to be for the next two weeks that we're accepting items because we're going to have a packing party on May 28th, which is a Sunday. Oh, actually, no, the 30th. Um, so donations need to be in by May 28th, which is a Friday. And then Sunday after the worship gathering that we're having uh, from 2 to 4 p.m. will either be at Aletheia Church in Cambridge or um, Grace Chapel in Wilmington. And then families will be picking up just to pack those baskets. And then families will be picking up the baskets as well as a free dinner um, at a drive-through appreciation event on June 3rd, which is a Thursday, out in Burlington, which is about 30 minutes north of here. But we're looking for about five volunteers to help out with each of those, so the packing day on Sunday, and then the distribution where you can actually welcome families, hand out the baskets, um, and just thank them for everything that they do. So if you're interested in either of those volunteer opportunities, you can reach out to me, um, see me after the service or just um, email me at ashley at coachurch.org. Thank you so much. Thanks, Ashley. Um, yeah, what a great, great, very simple way, one-off way for, uh, for us to be involved in service. I know sometimes when we get invited, like sometimes we're up like, hey, would you sign up to 
help every single Sunday until Jesus comes back with X, Y, or Z. And sometimes it's like, oh, I can't do that. Uh, but this is literally just a one-off that you could jump in and, and help. So um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll uh, dive in God's Word. If you want to open your app or your Bible, if you're really spiritual, like me, Sam, physical Bible. Um, <laughs> you can open to Romans chapter 1. Uh, we'll be there in just a moment, but let's, let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, it's good to be with your people. Uh, it's good to, to just be able to sing, as we uh, did just a moment ago, uh, of, your, of your name, of your great and perfect and beautiful name. Jesus, we, we long to be together. We long for this to be not, not a periodic occurrence, but a weekly occurrence. We desperately need it. Um, and, and I pray that, Lord, you'd help us soon to be able to find a space for the summer. And uh, God, uh, we do pray for uh, us to be able to get back in school in September. Um, God, we, uh, we look forward to being able to um, continue this important rhythm. Um, and Lord, I, I pray for those that are... Uh, watching and listening today, God, whatever their background, wherever they are coming from, Lord, wherever they are spiritually right now, Lord, we pray that uh, you would just, your spirit might meet them, your spirit might draw them, that God, you would just, uh, your word would, would speak loud and clear today to each of us. Uh, Lord, as we, we, we pray about, um, and, or as we look at passages um, addressing the scheme of the enemy, I pray that he would not have a foothold here today, that your spirit would, uh, would move, move in our hearts and minds, give us clarity, give us eyes to see, um, a mind to, to, to hear, and a heart to believe, God, the gospel today, and to be able to stand firm against the enemy. Um, and Lord, we, we pray this because, Lord, it's not just about us, it's about our friends, about our family, about those we work with that are far from you, that, that desperately need to experience the love of Christ, the desperately need to know the gospel. And Lord, you have appointed many, many to salvation, and they just need to hear. And so I pray you would help us, God, draw us, uh, fill us, that we might uh, then go out as your people in this city. For your great name, we pray. Amen. All right. Um, as I said, we're in a series um, called Schemes, uh, and this is, this is our third week in this series right now, and it's really addressing the idea that, that Satan is, is always at work. He's scheming at all times. Uh, we are going to have a Q&A afterwards. I wanted to throw that out because I think this series particularly lends itself. So just a few minutes right after the service is over, uh, the worship is over, I'll do, come back up and do a Q&A. Um, if anybody texts some questions, if you don't, then it'll be a very short Q&A time. But uh, if you have any questions during that series, you can text, or during the sermon, you can text 617-942-0753. All right, now, why, I, why I've been doing this series is uh, because over the years, I've seen God work in our church in amazing ways. It was back in September that I stood right here on our 10th anniversary uh, it was our first physical gathering since COVID, right? And I talked about uh, all the ways that in the last 10 years, God has worked and been and, and moved. And, and he has continued to do that, right? He has uh, been at work. But we're in this period where we're, we're coming out of COVID. We're having to reset. We're kind of relaunching as a church. And, I, and I, I believe that Jesus wants to work in our midst and through our church in an unprecedented way, right? I, I just, I feel that in my bones, 
And at the same time, I have never been more aware of, of Satan's schemes. I've never been more aware that I think he is constantly and relentlessly working behind the scenes. Now, if you're new or you're just tuning in, uh, you know, I'm not saying that we, uh, there's, this, there's this being out there named Satan who has, you know, horns and, and a ta- pointed tail and a pitchfork and he's running around to get us, right? That's not, that's not biblical. That's not the Satan of Scripture. The, the, the Satan of Scripture is much more subtle. The Satan of Scripture uh, is much more devious than that because the truth is, how easy would it be if that's what Satan looked like? If every time Satan was at work, you could see this guy with horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork, how easy would it be to avoid him? But no, he's much more clandestine in working against God's people. And I think in our context, one of the ways he works against us is by removing that sense that we're in a battle at all. By by easing us out of a mentality that we're actually at war and causing us to think we're not. After all, how easy is it to beat someone who doesn't know they're at war, right? <laughs> I mean, they're standing around like it's Tuesday and you're just like, pow, and there's like, what's, what's happening, you know? They don't know because they're not, they don't know they're at war. And there is a war happening. And this series is trying to awaken us to this fight. An enemy doesn't fight in the ways that that, that we think he does. He comes at us in, in subtle ways, in ways he's been watching humanity for millennia. He knows who, how we act. And we have, he knows we have to be awake to fight. So why not attack at the very base the idea that there's a battle at all? Why not attack at the very base the idea that you need to have an urgency or a desperation in your heart? You remember the first week and even last week in the series, I mentioned the, the head of the Iranian house church movement, which is moving in unprecedented ways. Uh, in the last thousand years, Iran has not seen an awakening like it's experiencing right now. Afghanistan, other parts of the world where persecution is happening. And the head of the, uh, of the house church movement in Iran said, uh, you know, I, I think that the West is under a satanic lullaby. That Satan is simply trying to lull Jesus' people asleep to keep, uh, keep them out of the fight. We, we, our theme text for this week is, or for this series has been 2 Corinthians 2.11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Now, wait. why would Paul say that, that exact phrase, if number one, we aren't capable of being outwitted? And number two, if we actually pay attention and we'll look, we can know what his schemes are. So we can be outwitted, but we're outwitted by obvious things that scripture teaches us. We're outwitted, but we're not outwitted by in some ways that we think are, are, are super complex. They're very simple. Just to give you an example of how we have been outwitted or how we feel it. How many of us feel what would be described as a desperate, desperate sense of need to worship with God's people. A desperate, like soul level, like I might not make it if I don't worship with Jesus's people. Or a desperate sense that, that you need to be there so that you, your worship can encourage your brothers or sisters. That sense of desperation. Now, I think COVID woke that up in some of us, right? Anybody else? Me? 
I mean, man, after about a month of COVID, I was chewing on the walls on Sundays. I was like, what is happening? Like, when is this going to be over? But I have to say, like, it, it's kind of gone some, hasn't it? I don't feel that same desperation. But you go to Iran, you go to where these churches, they're growing, where God's kingdom is expanding. And, and you ask them how they feel about gathering with their people, with, with Jesus' people and worshiping, how they feel about their brothers and sisters and being there to encourage them and to support them. And you know what they'll tell you? I have to have it. I'm willing to risk my life for it. Now, where does that desperation come from? Well, you might say, well, Satan's kind of obvious there. He's physically attacking them, right? He's attacking them with persecution. He's coming down on them. But what does it say about us that we don't have that and we don't feel that desperation? We've allowed ourselves to become relaxed. We've become allowed ourselves to be lulled asleep. I have to say this, this week was, it was one of the best weeks since COVID for me. Uh, Teresa and I uh, were sitting on the hills, part of what's called the Harbor Network, um, and they have a really strong focus on, on pastors, on caring for pastors, supporting healthy pastors. And we had a pastors and wives retreat this week in Naples, Florida, at this, uh, at this beach hotel. And um, it, it was amazing. On, on uh, Tuesday night, we gathered outside for worship, about 200 of us. And uh, Aaron Ivey from the Austin Stone led worship. If you don't know who he is, he is an amazingly gifted worship leader. And, uh, and I have not worshiped that freely in, in a year and a half. Like just with, with that many of God's people. Like just full-hearted. Like I was a mess. Therese was a mess. <laughs> like even more than me. Um, <laughs> but it was just a beautiful moment. We actually sang a beautiful name, didn't we? Yeah. I was, and it was it was such a beautiful moment, and I realized how much I've missed that. How much, not just I've missed it, like I've missed it like, uh, like I've missed flying or I've missed going on vacation, but I've missed it like I need it, like I desperately need it, like I might not make it without it. Satan whispers a sweet lullaby to us, lulling us to sleep with comfort, distractions, and self-absorption. There's two kind of schemes that I think I, I've, I've heard in my own life and in the larger Christian community, at least that have, you know, some places have never stopped worshiping, for better or for worse. Not, not going to argue about that, but they just don't, they've never felt it. They didn't feel the, the, they didn't feel the disconnect that we have felt, right? We, we're, we're one of the last places, even talking to all these pastors this week from all over the country, and they're like, you guys haven't met weekly yet? I'm like, yeah. Because most many of them have facilities and they're able to make their own calls with that kind of stuff. So, um, but here's here's the two schemes I I feel, the, what I call the tough time lie. It's a tough time, right? Everybody's having a tough time. You really don't need to. This is not time to get super serious. You should. You can think about that later. You need to chill out and relax and just focus on getting out of COVID. Right? And, and we use the fact that it's a tough time, which it is. And I'm not saying God's like saying, act like it's not tough. But it, it's a whole different thing to let our circumstances determine us, right? Determine who we are, determine where we are with Christ. And the other one that I hear is, you know, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. You don't need CG every week. 
You don't need to go to every gathering they're having. You don't need to be in the Bible every day. You don't need, you don't need that. You're doing, okay, look at you. Your life's not a wreck. You're not jacked up. You know, you're not an addict over here. You're not out of control over there. You're not burning all your relationships to the ground. You haven't lost your job. You're doing okay. Shh. Just relax. It's okay. And so we don't feel this desperation. And why do I think that that, that, that is a lie that Satan's been feeding us? Is because it's simply this, and this really, I was wrestling through this this week. Think back with me. You're a Christian, and I think most, most in the room are. Think back to me with me to a time that Jesus was just, your heart was just full of Jesus. Like, might have been when you got saved, might have been a time at camp, might have been a time in college or a time last year, but just a time where his presence and the power of Jesus was very real. Now, what if I told you then you can't have your Bible? Can't read your Bible this week. What if I told you you can't sing? I'm taking your worship songs away from you. I'm taking Christian community away from you. I'm taking the worship gathering away from you. I'm taking all these things away from you. What would your soul feel? There would be a sense of desperation, wouldn't it? I I want to worship with Jesus' people. Like, I want to do that. I, I don't know if you were like me, but at points in my life, I was like a serial worshiper. Like, oh, who's having a worship gathering tonight? Oh, go to church Sunday morning. Go to church Sunday night. Go to church Wednesday night. Finding places that I could worship. Watching, literally watching conferences online so I could hear God's word more. I remember points where I was listening to probably 15 sermons a week. Just like more. I want more Jesus. And I have not felt that. Maybe you have. But I suspect you haven't. I'm convinced Satan is scheming to lull us to sleep in a bed of tepid, impotent Christianity wrapped up in apathy and indifference. You see, he can't steal, if you're you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit deposited in you, he can't steal your salvation, he can't take you away from Christ, but he can sure make you so comfortable that your Christianity becomes impotent and you're full of apathy. Let's be honest. If I took Jesus away from you this week, would you be okay? If I could reach down inside of you and pull the Holy Spirit out of you, if I could take your Bible from you, if I could take your worship songs and your podcasts and and your CG, would you make it to next weekend? Some of us say, yeah, okay, I, I kind of make it. I guess I would. But how much would you feel it? How much of a difference would it make in how you're living your life right now? How much of a difference would it make when you get up tomorrow morning to go to work or go to your kitchen table and work? <laughs> how much of a difference? Because I think that, that we, we, we don't feel that because we have been taken under Satan's lies. Today I want us to see his schemes are rooted in lies and then how we stand. So Romans 1, 18 through 25, and this is really how we partner with Satan in our own demise, in our own deception. Listen to what Paul said. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. 
For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their heart to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. This is the description of what sin is. It's a lie. At the root of every sin is a lie. It's choosing to exchange the truth of who God is, which deep down in every human soul, there is a knowledge of that, is what Paul's saying here. We we choose to ignore that and, and choose to exchange God for a created thing. If you think back to the Garden of Eden, Satan came to Eve and and began by getting her to question God's word. Did God really say? Is what he asked, right? And when she, she began to, to falter on that, you know what? He twisted it completely and said, God did not say. In fact, God is withholding from you. God's holding good, withholding good from you, what, what's true and, 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 and perfect. And Jesus said in John 8 that Satan was the father of lies. He was a murderer from the beginning and the, he's been lying. And he lies out of his uh, own character because he is the father of lies. And listen, I would love to tell you that you and I have the spiritual discernment to always see that. We do not. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen says, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, when he comes at us to whisper lies to us, he whispers lies to us that we kind of want. He whispers lies to us that appeal to us. He whispers lies to us that have some kernel of root in our own hearts. And the lie that this thing will give you life that you deserve, this, uh, that, that this thing will give you the life you long for, that this will give you the life that satisfies you, that is a lie meant to take us away from God. The Greek word for scheme in our passage for the series is is actually where we get our word method from. Satan is methodical when it comes to you. I mean, think of, this, is, this, is, this is what we don't think about. We have an enemy who is sitting around who's way more beautiful and brilliant than we could ever imagine. If he, if he appeared in the room, we'd be tempted to worship him. He's, he knows humanity. He's known humanity since the beginning. He knows you. He sees all the things you have done. And he is methodically at work to lie to you. Why do we not take that more seriously? Because we've believed his lies. Every person, every person in this room, every person watching this message right now has been, is being, and will be lied to by Satan. You will get up tomorrow morning and you'll be tempted to believe lies. 
And here's the thing, they're not, they're not the things that are hard for you. If, 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 if Satan came to me and said, you know what? Heroin is amazing. You should try heroin. It'll make all your dreams come true. I'm not trying heroin, right? Why? Not a temptation for me. Might be for one of you. If it is, God bless you. But, but it's not a temptation for me. But he comes to me and says, you should find your identity in the church. You should wrap up your, your significance, your approval, your idea of success in the church. You know how subtle that is? And yet most every pastor I know deals with it. And how, how pernicious is that? The very thing of lead, if I lead rightly and Jesus blesses it, that's where my temptation happens. And you think you're different. I'm telling you, he has your number. And he knows the lies that you need to hear. To believe a created thing will give you what only God can. And when we give ourselves to that thing, it sucks the life out of our souls. It weakens us. It's like a weighted blanket. Anybody discovered weighted blankets? Anybody got one of those things? I swore, I was like, that's just nuts. Why do I need a 25-pound blanket laying on me? That's going to feel weird right up until someone laid it on me. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I was like, I just want to go to sleep right now. I just feel very relaxed. Did I get a massage somewhere I didn't forgot about? You know, It's like it feels so good, doesn't it? You and I are in the middle of a war zone, and Satan has given us a weighted blanket and noise-canceling headphones. And he's saying, shh, go back to sleep. It doesn't really matter if you pursue Jesus fully. You got tomorrow, right? It doesn't matter if you, if you, if you pursue him with your whole heart. You don't need it. You're going to make it today. You're going to make it tomorrow, right? Like that coworker, you'll talk to them about Jesus someday, right? You can pray for them after COVID's over when you've got more time. And we believe the lies. So how do we respond? This is where I want us to land. We need to wake up, right? I mean, if you're asleep, you got to wake up. That's the first thing, to realize that you are at war. There is a battle that's happening. It's raging around you. We're like, well, I don't feel it. It's because you got a weighted blanket and noise-canceling headphones on. you got to pull those things off. you got to throw the weighted blanket off. you got to stand up. you got to look around. And you got to realize what's been happening. I want to encourage you. I, I don't do this a lot, but um, I've just really, really been blessed by Matt Chandler's recent series on the book of Revelation, uh, the, uh, the Village Church. I know I, I'm looking at Jorge, and I talk about it some. I've talked about it some. Some of you have been listening to it. He just overviews the book in about 12 or 13 message, I think. Um, and it's like just really stirred in my heart, like this this deep. It was it was part of part of what's stirred my heart in toward this series. So I encourage you to listen to that. Satan doesn't want you to, but I want to encourage you. Satan's been lying to you, so how do we respond then? Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 18, he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. 
For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. You want to talk about darkness? Darkness is not just a symbol for evil. It's also darkness in that you can't see in it. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil, in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. You get Paul's, anybody feel like Paul's wanting us to stand? Stand firm, stand. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as the shoes of your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We stand firm. Stand firm is a military term used to to describe holding a position. Let me uh, make a point. Holding a position you have to be able to hold a position before you can advance, right? When, 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 when uh, the Allies stormed the beach at Normandy, it was all about getting that beachhead, right? And being able to hold that, that, that small piece of land so that the battle could go forth into Europe. And, and that's why uh, 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 Hitler threw everything he had at it. Because he knew if they had a place to stand, if the Allies had a place to get get supplies and soldiers into Europe and on the coast of France, that the war was over, that he could not fight. And listen, we have a place to stand, but I'm afraid most of us are not standing firm. We've been told we're not at war. You've been told there's not a battle. And so no wonder we're not standing firm. Listen, there's nothing as powerful Nothing as powerful as the church of Jesus Christ united in the spirit, moving out in love and service and advancing the kingdom of God. There is nothing. Listen, Satan's throwing everything he can at it in Afghanistan and Iran right now and in Nigeria and other places. And the gospel is still going forward. But but Satan's strategy here is different, right? He's saying there is no battle. Relax, guys. Go to sleep. But we need to stand firm. Take up the whole, put on the whole armor of God. Two verses later, Paul says, take up the whole armor of God. Twice in three verses. Just so we can stand against the enemy. Putting on the belt of truth. Knowing that Jesus is the truth and the truth sets us free. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness. Knowing that all of Satan's accusations against you, all the shame he throws at you, all the guilt he throws at you, you are, you have the breastplate of the imputed righteousness of Jesus and the promise of the Holy Spirit making you like Jesus. The shoes of the gospel of peace, literally boots. You aren't wearing slippers. You aren't kicking your feet up. You have the shoes of the gospel of peace ready to go forward. You have the shield of faith as a defense against the enemy's attack. Faith that Jesus Christ has lived, has died, has risen from the grave and has given you new life. The helmet of salvation that's protecting your thinking. Salvation reminding you that Christ, what Christ has done, what Christ is doing, and that one day he's going to burst forth in this world and he's going to 
put Satan and his forces to an end in a blink. It's not even going to be a battle. They call it the battle of Armageddon. It's the fastest battle in all of human history. Because as soon as Jesus shows up, it's over. You know, if we forgot that, how does that affect us today? Satan wants us to forget it. But we need the helmet of salvation. And we need to take up the sword of the spirit. The one offensive weapon. Not to scream at people. Not to beat people over the head with scripture into obeying God. But to speak truth where, where there's lies. To speak truth where there is deceit. To be able to speak, uh, carries God's word into darkness and give light of Christ. What does Satan do? Or what does Jesus do the, the three times Satan tempts him in the wilderness? All three times he takes up the sword of the spirit and quotes the word of God. We're going to talk about this a lot more in, in the end of this year because we're going into Ephesians in September. So I'm excited about that. So I'm not going to talk any more about this passage. But all of this is the equipment for a soldier. One question, though. What if Satan's convinced you you're a, a civilian? Those soldiers, those are the, the ministers, and the missionaries going overseas. But I'm just a civilian. Then he's got you out of the fight. Let's be honest, I, I, don't, I don't put a lot of stock in dreams. Um, I have crazy ones sometimes, like I'm skydiving with a whale, and it tells me that I should play hopscotch with my third grade teacher or something. And so I'm sure some of you have crazy dreams like that. I know some people that don't remember their dreams. Um, but I had a dream the other night. And I wasn't thinking about this series, but it was the next day I was praying and talking to God about it and reflecting on it and journaling it. And God just really directed me in this about the series because we're kind of right in the middle right now in the series. And and some of you have told me like, hey, this is really helping. Like I'm starting to see things. I'm starting to feel an awakening. Like God's wanting to do something. And uh, the dream was, you know, lacking a lot of details, but there were a bunch of us in a, in a house somewhere. It was a large house, and, and I don't remember any particular faces, but it was a bunch of us, and I actually feel confident it was the church. I felt like I knew everyone, loved everyone. Um, and, uh, and yet the place had a floor that was like a deck, so like a wood deck, so it had slats like this. And under the deck, we all knew that there was uh, a couple of very, very dangerous snakes and uh, an alligator. And one of the snakes, the most dangerous animal, was, was this giant rattlesnake. And we were kind of aware of it, but then we were acting like it wasn't a big deal. And, and then I saw, it was weird, I, I saw the tail of the rattle stick through like this small hole. And I, I don't know what it was, but I took something and I jabbed against it, like pinned the tail um, so that the snake couldn't move. And finally it, it, it let go, of it. The, the rattle broke off. And so the snake wasn't dead, but it no longer had its rattle. And I was like wrestling through this. I was like, okay, God. And he's like, I think what, you know, a rattlesnake exposes itself with its rattle. That's how you know it's there. That's how you know it's dangerous. That's how you know you should be ready. But what God said to me in this is that Satan's been exposed a bit. But now he's going, going deeper. And you know what the only thing that's more dangerous than a rattlesnake with a rattle? Is a rattlesnake without its rattle. 
because then you don't see it coming. You don't hear it. And so what that said to me was that Satan is like going to go underground. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna work, but he's more dangerous now. And so I'm pleading with us, all of us, don't go back to sleep. Don't rest your head on your pillow. Don't let him sing the lullaby to you. We've got to wake up. The city needs the gospel. Our friends need the gospel. There are needs that need to be met. There are children that need to be served through foster care. There are countless needs around us. And it's a battle. And we are useless to Christ and his kingdom if we're asleep. So I close by by asking you to just, you know, as Paul says at the very end of the armor of God, he says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So I've been praying for you this week and for our church and for myself. Um, And as we close, I wanna ask you just, we're gonna pause. I'm gonna actually ask you to pray right now. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to just ask the spirit to reveal to you any ways that you have been believing the lies of the enemy. The father of lies. How has he been lying to you? And how have you been believing it? And I want you to take a moment, ask that, and then repent of it. Turn away from it. And look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. So just take a moment now. Now confess it to him. Just be honest with God. Then confess Christ. Confess Christ as your Savior, as your Lord. That that your sin is done. It was done on the cross. And ask him to help you to stand firm this week. Father, we thank you that you will never lie to us. You'll never deceive us. You will never mislead us. That your truth is the truth that sets us free. And in Christ, we have that truth. I pray, as Paul said, that we would be able to, to, having done everything else, to be able to stand firm in Christ. Awaken us, Lord. Awaken our hearts and our minds and our souls to the joy of Christ, to the peace of Christ, to the mission and purpose of Christ in our lives. Awaken your church across the city, God, for your purpose. Awaken us from the lies we've been believing. Awaken us from the lullaby that we have fallen under. We need you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.